Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. Boom. The bleachers are open and that sound you hear in the background is the clock ticking away on the trade deadline for Major League Baseball. We are, yeah, we, I have a good feeling that we know somebody on this podcast that could actually insert that ticking clock and make us sound like geniuses because Ramos is on this call. My dog is thoroughly annoyed that she's in the crate right now and making it super rad. But uh, the trade deadline's looming, and there's already been a handful of trades. And what I find incredibly fascinating about what's actually happening right now as you listen to the Bleacher Blums uh, podcast, I am Jeff Blum, current uh, color analyst for the Houston Astros. And on the other line that I'm going to bring in shortly is going to be David Tuttle out there on the West Coast. We have got a lot of trades going on. The interesting thing about the trade deadline this year is there's only one trade deadline. It is July 30th, and it's in a couple of hours. And there is not going to be a waiver trade deadline. So August 30th or 31st or whatever it is, there is not going to be that trade deadline. This is it. And the flurry of activity here in the last week or so has been pretty amazing to me just to see teams not waiting to see who goes where. They are targeting guys. They are going to get these guys. We will talk about that a little bit. But uh, in all the chaos, Tuttle, you're you're planning on a vacation, man. Are you, are you, are you locked in on sports? Are you locked in on a little, you know, my ties and sun? Uh, it'll probably be a little both. I think I don't get, I wish I was better, but, uh, I don't get as locked in on sports during when I'm home and, you know, uh, during the work week and things like that. So I have a, I have a good feeling that I'm going to be, uh, I'm reading the sports page every day and I'm going to probably do a little deep dive and maybe bring something more challenging back to the podcast instead of my, just my little, uh, my little nefarious comments here and there. But uh, yeah, you know, there'll be some Mai Tai and Sun, but I'll have no qualms about watching a ton of sports on vacation and, and tuning out or tuning in, uh, depending on which way you look at it. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I want to watch a little of the Olympics uh, and, of course, baseball. And as you mentioned, this is like the clock's ticking for, for the trade deadline. And the trade deadline is a little bit different this year. Uh, the last podcast, if you guys listen to the fantastic Bleacher Blums podcast, both Blum and I talked about our trade stories. And, uh, you know, hopefully you guys got a, got a lot out of that because it can be a, I don't know if it's as unnerving at the big league level. Um, obviously the trade worked out for you, Blum, but, uh, but it was, you know, it's a little bit, I don't know, everything's a little tenuous and they pull guys off the field and, you know, get them in the shower early and, you know, you don't want to get anybody hurt. There's always that kind of stuff but i think uh you know i think this year without the having the waiver claims and we could probably get into that a little bit for the fans like yeah they're just they're stepping up to the plate and they're going after what they want because there is no kind of backdooring or waiting or seeing who's going to clear waivers or contracts or anything like that it's uh it's like for like and if we want these guys uh we got to go get them so uh i'm looking forward to seeing kind of what transpires and there's already a couple big things that have happened and a couple things that uh on the horizon probably that are going to be uh interesting to discuss and obviously that is a part of what's on tap brought to you by st arnold is going to be that trade deadline some moves already already being made and there's a couple hours left as we record this podcast where things could happen also and we're going to talk a little bit about the olympics there's some other trade deadlines out there and there are other trades going down that we may talk about a little bit but uh, obviously we want to jump right into what is going on with Major League Baseball. There have been several trades going on, not uh, not any feelers either. There's nothing out there that, where people are just kicking the tires and there's rumors. 
there are a lot of trades that have actually happened, and the Yankees are going out there, and they actually traded for Joey Gallo from the Texas Rangers. They have traded for Anthony Rizzo from the Chicago Cubs. And what's interesting about those two guys going to the New York Yankees, yes, Joey Gallo fits that mold perfectly. High strikeout, high potential for home runs. Obviously, that short porch out there in right field is going to benefit both Gallo and Rizzo, but I think what a lot of people are probably going to lose sight of and will probably become more aware of because now that he's in a major market and you're going to watch him play defense a little bit more often, Joey Gallo is actually a top-tier defender for me. He's a huge human, but he moves extremely well. He can run to the baseball. He makes good plays, but he's got an absolute cannon for an arm. I think he might be leading the American League in assists, so he is actually going to be an asset both, well, you're hoping offensively on occasion, but defensively, I think you're going to see a serious upgrade with him. I'll be curious to see where they play Joey Gallo on that defense because with Aaron Judge coming back from safety protocol issues, he will most likely be your right fielder. You can put a guy like Joey Gallo in center field to kind of uh, supplant the loss of Aaron Hicks in center field. And then, of course, Anthony Rizzo playing first base. He is a very good first baseman. Luke Voigt has, has had his injury issues, but that is another very potent left-handed bat for him. Uh, the Red Sox go out and get Kyle Schwarber to add to their, uh, to their mix and add to their power. Uh, you've got the Astros trading for bullpen help. That was always something we had been talking about. They go out and get the Seattle Mariners closer, Kendall Graveman. They throw in Rafael Montero, who has seven saves under his belt. And they also go down to South Beach and pick up Yimmy Garcia, who is their uh, save leader for the Miami Marlins. So you've got some back end into the bullpen type guys. There's an interesting one, and we'll talk about when we get done talking about these trades and some of the thoughts Tuttle has right now. Uh, about the Dodgers possibly getting Scherzer and Turner. I'm not sure if it's finalized yet, but that is just a, there's a couple of things I want to talk about in that that I find very interesting. But the initial thoughts on the deadline and who who's getting who, uh, Tuttle, what are your thoughts, man? Yeah, Blummer. Uh, you know, the Dodger one will be the most interesting and the most complicated. I saw a salary breakdown. I was thinking initially when you mentioned that, I, I'm not uh, a huge follower of Joey Gallo partly because I'm here on the left coast, but also we know he's a true outcomes guy. But, you know, the Texas Rangers being in last place in the American League West is like, all right, we, you know, we never hear about them. Um, I guess my first thought was you have to be uh, of Italian derivative to uh, get traded to the Yankees, right? It's either Gallo or <laughs> yeah. Russo. They're going to bring Pinella back to manage these guys or La Russa. Like, they're just oh, going to keep he's it. He's completely screw that thing up. I wouldn't even trust him with that team. Yeah, he would. But they're just going to keep it close. You know what's interesting to me? Um, we talked about Rizzo and Schwarber. I know Schwarber had, had already left. Schwarber always reminded me of like Jock Peterson in that he could kind of fit into the lineup in the Dodgers, but he was always kind of the extra guy. Schwarber was a little bit like that. But Rizzo is kind of the mainstay from that from that World Series World Series winning team. And it's always interesting to me from afar to look at these guys and you know, you have uh, the kind of the core of the Cubs group, you know, and and he's one of those guys and they got rid of him. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're, you know, they're chopping it all up or they're breaking up the uh, their thoughts about um, kind of, I don't know, downsizing and rebuilding. 
But uh, that was the one that kind of jumped off the page at me, like, oh, they got rid of Rizzo. And then when you mentioned the Yankees and that short right right field porch, I thought of the same thing with Fenway Park when you get Schwarber in there. I mean, these guys are going to stand on the plate and hook balls. So as a pitcher, you oh, know, yeah. my mind starts going mm-hmm. like, all right, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I got to throw this guy in consistently and you're going to have to elevate the ball, you know, just to kind of change their eye line because they're going to, they're going to creep their tiptoes right up on the black of the plate and they're just going to try and hook everything down the line. So it'll be interesting to see how those pan out. But uh, I think it's, you know, the Yankees did, you know, did some good things. And I, and I think this is something that sometimes gets overlooked when we talk about payroll. Um, this just hit me when you were mentioning is like, look at the Dodgers. They're trying to get, you know, you think they're stacked, you know, and they got Seeger and they got Turner and they got Bellinger, who's an MVP. They got Mookie Betts coming back. Bowers, the guy that's out there, but Clayton Kershaw is going to come back and guess what they do? They make a trade like this where they're going to go out and get two <laughs> all-star caliber guys. I mean, you know, these are top 10 guys. Uh, you know, with Scherzer and Trey Turner, and you know they'll find a way to plug him. And the Yankees did the same thing. And I think this is where you see the payroll and the parity kind of disappear a little bit. Is those teams, you know, like the Marlins and those bottom feeder teams, they just can't do what these teams are doing. And you know, my initial thought was like, gosh, where's Trey Turner going to play if Seager comes back? What are they going to do? And it's like, who cares? It's like, you know, <laughs> to the to the you know. To the victors go the spoils. Like these guys are the World Series champs. Their payroll is huge, and they're just going to keep reloading. And I thought the same thing with the Yankees, even though they're struggling and scuffling. Guess what? They're going to go for it. And it's almost like who cares if Judge comes back or if they're going to have to plug in, you know, this guy over here. And like you said, Luke Voigt might be their DH because Rizzo's such a good. I mean, they don't care. Let's get seven true outcome guys in the lineup or eight true outcome guys in the lineup mm-hmm. and uh, see if they can hook some balls in the short porch. So I don't know if you agree with that, but those payroll teams always seem to kind of step up at the end and oh my gosh i mean they're just reloading it'll be an interesting race down to the finish no it's insane you are they they are definitely reloading and i like to call this actually and obviously i'm biased towards the houston astros but i feel like it is it's the astro effect the astros have actually been able to sustain winning and keep their winning window open a little bit longer than most teams just because they drafted so good they signed some key free agents did a good job with their contracts yes they're right at that uh, that threshold on that luxury tax but at the same time i think other teams around the league the dodgers the yankees the red sox they understood that they were getting beat by a better team and a better constructed team and i think they've gotten to this trade deadline and realized look we have the guys that we feel like we can go win a ball game with. Who else would enhance the opportunity to go out there and do that? And to Tuttle's point, they have the revenue and the resources to be able to go out there and do that. And I think it's really interesting to see you know, some of these teams just take the governor off and go for it during this era. Uh, you know, contracts eventually evaporate and teams move on. Free agency happens. Uh, that's why the Astros are picking up bullpen help to shut, shut down games because I feel like their bullpen maybe has lost more games than they feel they should have. And other teams feel like they need the firepower to go out there and do it. And I, you know, I applaud Brian Cashman for going out and getting those guys. But at the same time, there's still guys that you can pitch to. You can pitch around them. Are they going to be the answer that gets them to a division title? No. Because it's going to be Tampa Bay, it's going to be Boston Red Sox. Those are the two teams competing for the American League East. It's just interesting to me that they're loading up on payroll to win a wild card. That's what's crazy to me. You know, they just want to get in. And wouldn't it be a shame if they got in to the wild card, end up losing that quick series, and they're gone? So you just have to start looking towards next year. But uh, everybody's looking for that immediate gratification. I'm seeing currently on Twitter that uh, Barrios from the Minnesota Twins is going to go to the Blue Jays. 
Kimbrell is in talks with the Dodgers currently. And we all know that we talked about Kenley Jansen that last podcast, how the back end of their bullpen has got some serious issues and wouldn't Kimbrell be a nice fit. But that just kind of adds to what you're talking about as far as that's what these teams are doing. They don't care anymore. They are going to go get the guys that they feel need to get this thing done. They're going to trade away all the prospects. They're going to they're going to take on the contracts. And it fascinates me to see the Dodgers doing what they're doing right now. I totally agree. And I will say this too. I mean, we've talked about this on this podcast I mean, consistently, and we've been consistent about this, is in baseball, more than other sports, it you got to have a win-now mentality. But I think mm-hmm. you, the, the point you bring up about the Yankees is a really interesting point because is it really a win-now mentality if you're just trying to squeak into the wild card? Because there is a chemistry Yeah, thing. isn't that crazy? It is. It is crazy. But, you know, those prospects, I mean, some of them are established, and you could say they're the number one prospect. And I think our point um, prior was a lot about the draft, right? Like, oh, this guy was an All-American at, uh, you know, this college, or he's coming out of high school and he throws 95 it's sometimes a little bit more challenging to take those guys and say, oh, yeah, we got to protect those guys. You got to win now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some of these established prospects, is a, it's a little bit, um, I don't know if it's a little more dicey, but if I were the Yankees, to your point, I think this just supports what you said. Uh, it would be interesting to see how this pans out and we can do a kind of a retrospective, you know, in a couple oh, yeah. of years. Like they just went all in for, they went all in for the the wild card. And I, and, you know, Leave it to a pitcher. You and I always have the hitter-pitcher conversation. Uh, my The deficiency with the Yankees, I believe, is their pitching. I mean, you have Garrett mm-hmm. Cole, and then what? I mean, I know Herman almost threw a no-hitter the other day, and they ended up getting an L. Like, I mean, they just don't... Yeah, but in the playoffs, know. he hasn't been all that great. I mean, it, it's yeah. crazy, right? Yeah, he doesn't have that experience. I mean, that's going to be their shortcoming. I'm, I, And I, I, I don't want to be remiss in, you know forgetting to talk about the Astros because that's been the critique and the criticism of them all year. Um, we talked off air about some of the things being said about the way uh, Dusty Baker's managing. But what I would say <laughs> is, you know, you you got to have bullets in that gun to make it work. I mean, you can't, you know, yeah, he's doing terrible, but he's not the one that coughed up a 7 nothing lead. You know, that was the bullpen, which, you know, they've mm-hmm. gone out and strengthened. And, you know, right. it'll be nice to be able to, you know, great players make a manager look way better. There are some little strings you can tug, but it's nice to be able 100%. to. Like, I want that right. I want that right-hander with a two ERA, not the yeah. one with the seven. How about the Nationals? You're talking about winning windows, and, w- and that's what I. You know, the Dodgers have done a good job of sustaining and getting into the World Series. They eventually won that shortened season last season. The Astros have been to what four ALCSs in the last five years, two World Series. But uh, the Washington Nationals, who won the 2019 World Series against the Houston Astros, it is now 2021. And guess what? Poof. They are gone. It's unbelievable. It's very floor- old school, Florida Marlin-ish, how they've just jettisoned some of these guys. And it's amazing to me to see that they, in two years, are trading away Daniel Hudson, a guy who closed the World Series for him, Max Scherzer, who's obviously pitched for them for years and put up big numbers and helped them get to the World Series, Trey Turner. The, so the Dodgers go out, and I think they've gotten Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. And Max Scherzer, I get. They need the starting pitching. They've lost a couple of guys in their rotation due to injury, but they go out and get Max Scherzer, which gives them a ridiculous amount of depth and proven postseason help. The one that trips me out is Trey Turner. Number one, that the Washington Nationals have another year of that guy with arbitration under club control. 
and they traded him away. Granted, they probably got a huge haul of prospects in return, but there's so many things in this. And I would imagine the city of LA right now is looking at Corey Seager going, he's not coming back because Trey Turner has that one more year of club control. So he's going to be their shortstop next year. If I had to assume anything, that's what I would assume. Maybe they feel that uh, contract talks are going to break down between Corey Seager and they're not going to be able to bring him back. Or maybe miraculously, they throw the world at him and give him all the money he wants, and they allow him to move to second base or something, or third base. I don't know what's going on, but it really sent a signal to me that they're not too high on Corey Seager. That being said, I also think that Trey Turner can help out in that leadoff spot. You know, Maybe you move Mookie Betts a little bit further down in that lineup and make him a more of a production guy as opposed to a speed setup guy. And then, obviously, adding Max Scherzer to this deal says volumes to me about Trevor Bauer. And that's one thing we really haven't hit on this podcast because it's one of the more disgusting stories I've heard in a very long time. What he's admitted to is disgusting. What he's alleged to have done is disgusting. And I think, you know, there's an LA Times article that was out there saying how players weren't uh, appreciative of having him in that clubhouse. And that trade of Max Scherzer may have been that final nail in the coffin of Trevor Bauer in Los Angeles. I don't think he pitches there again. I think Major League Baseball may make an example out of him, and I'm not sure the Dodgers want him back, especially if Scherzer comes out and starts to deal. That And imagine if Scherzer pitches well, Trevor Bauer's deal gets squashed or somehow voided. Then you have the money to sign a Max Scherzer to an extension at the end of the season because Scherzer's contract's up at the end of 2021. Any thoughts on that, or am I just wildly making opinions because the Dodgers uh, made a bad mistake? You know, you you kind of you got to do your homework. We've heard about this a ton. Um, you know, Bauer's always been a little bit of a loose cannon. I haven't. It doesn't sound like I'm up to up to snuff on what he this we can get deep into like what he was asked to do what he did why he did it you know and your beliefs yeah, well, how about of, this like, what happens about, there okay yeah how about we just tell the fa- tell we'll tell our bleacher blum fans just go to the athletic mm. put his name in the search engine read some of the articles because i'm not going to repeat there you go any of the stuff that's going on it's 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 yeah. not good <laughs> okay so I guess I was going to ask because we've talked about Deshaun Watson and now he's back at camp and I just didn't know, you know, when, you know, two consenting adults and all that, but you're saying it's above and beyond that. And I don't want you to have to repeat it either. I just thought it was, Oof. I thought he had a chance to be um, exonerated, I guess. Is that not probably the case? It, I think if he had that chance, it would have been, it, there would have been evidence of that now. I, th- oh, I just awesome. think too much time has passed. I, it, it's, it, it's worrying me the longer this takes. Yeah. And and so let's get back to what your original question was. I mean, I think chemistry is super important in a clubhouse. The the word out here on the left coast is certainly that he wasn't really that well-respected or well-liked anyway. Forget about the situation we're talking about. Um, the court situation. It was like, hey, yeah, he's making whatever, $30 million a year. He signed... And uh, and he's or forty million a year was it one was it one ten yeah it's 35? close to forty million I think yeah, yeah it's close to forty million and uh, and it's funny I I'm gonna go off track a little bit I always wondered when they won the national championship at UCLA I know the head coach over there you wonder why Garrett Cole and uh, and Trevor Bauer didn't get along and it's like oh gosh you know <laughs> they're both like frontline starters they're both gonna be high picks and you know so I think there's probably a history of the type of person that he is you know he's got a got a screw loose in there but um yeah i mean i think what you what you just touched on when you want to talk about the actual um trade deadline and contracts moving and how it lays out is that if they can void that contract if it's ended up you know ends up being something that that 
comes to fruition, they're going to have a lot more money in the uh, coffers. And again, that'll make this a little bit different or significantly different than what we just said about the Yankees chasing that wild card spot. I mean, look, the Dodgers, Padres, and Giants we've talked about, Astros or some other teams are the kind of clear, kind of they've separated themselves from the pack as the Mm -hmm. better teams in baseball. And if you're able to, you know, add a Scherzer and a Trey Turner and get a, somebody like Corey Seager back, an MVP, uh, World Series MVP back for the uh, for the playoff run. It'll be fantastic. I guess I'd like to, you know, because I'm not as well versed on, you know, the Bauer thing, get get back into Corey Seager a little bit. He is, you yeah. know, quite a prospect. He was, as I mentioned already, the MVP of the World Series last year. What, I mean, you know, does he already have the injury prone tag? Is that really what it is? Or, I mean, he's under club control, isn't he? He's a young guy that's up there. So he's oh. under club control. Trey Turner's under club control. I mean, do they have to make a choice between the two of them? No, uh, Seeger is actually going to be a free agent at that's the end right. of the year. Okay, he is. That's right. And I, you're right. Yeah, he didn't sign an early deal. Anyway, I guess the question is which would you prefer or can you not keep both? And do you think which is kind of the question you threw at me. Do you think that this really is a, a sign that they're not as enamored with him? I mean, I think it's out here, all the articles are always so pro him. Yeah, I mean, it could be an indication of how they feel about him. Um, but it also could be, you know, is he able to move positions? Is he able to become a second baseman or a third baseman, depending on what you want to do with Turner? Can he move to first base? I don't know. You know, that that's definitely a question they have to ask internally. I just thought it was very intriguing to see them go out and try and get a guy like Trey Turner. Now, on the season, you've got Corey Seager, who's only ha- he only has 147 at-bats. Granted, he is a little bit injury-prone, maybe a little bit more than Carlos Correa. He's hitting 265 and has four home runs. So Trey Turner is going to be an immediate upgrade at shortstop, and that's the yep. thing. They both play shortstop, so... Who, who's going to be willing to move their position to accommodate who's coming in? And I like you actually said it earlier. You're like, I don't care. We'll find a spot. And if you've got everybody rowing in the same direction on your team, you're going to go out there and have guys that are willing to move move positions to be able to have them in your lineup to put up numbers. We saw that here with the Houston Astros and what Alex Bregman was able to do being a number one pick. Carlos Correa was a rookie. You get Alex Bregman, who's a shortstop. He moves to third base, and all of a sudden, you've got the best left side of the infield in all of baseball, both offensively and defensively. So maybe it turns into a situation like that. Uh, you know, there's also maybe they wanted to add the bat because uh, Bellinger, Coley Bellinger, is not exactly tearing the cover off the baseball right now. He's he is struggling <laughs> quite a bit. He's hitting 160 yeah, he's right now with five home runs. Yeah, it's so it almost feels like Trey Turner's trying to be that igniter or, an, or another bat in that lineup to try, try and create runs uh, because what the Dodgers are trying to do is outscore the Giants. And the Giants right now are currently outscoring the Dodgers and beating them and leading the uh, National League West, uh, which I, I've, is absolutely incredible. The Astros have a chance to play against them, so it'll be a fun opportunity for me to see them. But you being a Giants fan and seeing what the Dodgers are doing, the Padres are rumored to go out and try and get some guys who keep getting beat out and going to the Dodgers. Uh, any emotions or feelings about what the Giants are doing right now? You know, it's a great question. Let me, I was going to finish up because I did ask you the question about the Dodgers, but uh, Trey Turner also has like 27 games in center field. And there was an article I read where they yeah. said they could move Turner out to center, put Bellinger back and left, which is a better position for him. It'll take some of the stress off than his batting ever. So I think that's kind of why I threw the question at you. It was like, I, I wasn't sure that Seeger would a good be question. out, but. 
but now you're right. But now you're, you know, now you're thinking like, hey, if we just all want to row the boat in the same direction, we've said it before. They have the the spoils, then they'll just find a spot for all these mm-hmm. guys. I mean, Trey Turner plays second base as well, so maybe, you know, maybe you just feel it out and you try a different lineup every night until everybody starts uh, starts getting it rolling. So as far as the Giants go, um, I think. There's this, we talked about winning now. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Their young pitching staff is doing really well. I know that uh, third baseman, you know, I got to write some of these things down. I know all these guys. Third baseman's coming back. Uh, he has experience. They have three guys coming back because uh, they were they were hurt. So Brandon Crawford's coming back. Posey was out for a little bit. And then the guy that used to pay for the Devil Rays that played at Long Beach State. See, I know my guys, but I just don't know their name. Evan Longoria. Right? So, Thank you. So Longoria is coming back. So the Giants have been playing without those guys, and, and you know the mm-hmm. whole left side of the infield, for that matter. Crawford and Longoria have been out for at least a month. So um, you have those guys uh, out. So I think the Giants are looking at this like if they can stay healthy and get those guys back. We've said this before with other years and other teams. You know, yep. maybe it was the Astros when we were talking about, hey, they're going to get Verlander back. They'll get Bregman back. They'll get these guys back. I know uh, Verlander's not coming back this year, but my point is, as you get these all stars coming back healthy, it makes your team more robust without having. You know, it's kind of like trading for, hey, let's trade for, let let's trade for <laughs> Alex Bregman uh, on August first or August fifteenth and get him back in the lineup. So, I I think that the Giants are kind of. They're in the win now mode, but I think because they're getting Longoria back, Crawford back, Posey, you know, being a, a mm-hmm. mainstay. Oh, and Brandon Belt is the other one. So, I mean, oh, yeah. all yeah, all these guys have been out. So I don't know if the Astros are going to get a taste of those guys coming back during that series. Uh, we'll have to find out, and that's coming up very shortly. So maybe you asked me about vacation. Maybe uh, I'm going to have to put some money down and let it ride on vacation, and I'll have to tune in. I know. Yeah, well, we're going to have to get out there on uh, the Twitterverse and get a get an idea of what we can bet on because by the time this podcast comes out, the Astros will have played the Giants in a three-game series over the weekend, and it'd be a lot of fun to have a little bit of wagering on this. So if you want to get to myself or David Tuttle on Twitter, you can go to at Blummer27 to get me, and you can go to at Real David Tuttle to get at David Tuttle. And of course, Bleacher Blums is all over social media, both on Instagram and Twitter, at Bleacher Blums for all your updates and uh, archives and Twitter posts and uh, Instagram videos, but we'll have to get something out there. I'm going to tweet that out tonight. I think I'm going to tweet out and see what we can wager on and then have uh, the culmination of that uh, come out on a podcast maybe next time we get on these uh, on these airwaves, so to speak. But uh, there are still a couple of names. What do you got? Well, I was just going to say, I prefer uh, no tattoos in the wagering, no head shaving, like things like that. So I, I know no, by no saying permanent that, alterations. Yeah, right. Like let's let's be reasonable. <laughs> I actually would prefer money. I don't know who's going to win, but uh, we'll have to see how it goes. And I and you know just to kind of add a little uh, cherry on top of that point about the Giants Astros, this is where like interleague play is kind of fun, right? The kind of the two best mm-hmm. teams going right now. I know the Rays are in there as well, but you got kind of powerhouses in the National League and powerhouse in the American League. And the different style of baseball still with the DH, which may not be for much longer. It's it's always a cool series to watch. And in some weird way, I know it affects the standings, but it never seems to mean as much, right? Until you get to October. <laughs> but it's good to it's good to test the waters and you know it'll be interesting to see how uh, Dusty Baker manages. Yeah. Um, and if he manages, you know, with his new bullpen against uh against the front yeah. runners here in the National League West. So I'm excited about that. 
No, there's a good point. And you know what? It's actually a nice little, it could be a little bit of a preview because what Tuttle's talking about is the Astros being in the National League Park. You know, you got to work that outfield is probably where the biggest problem is. What do you do with Jordan Alvarez? Uh, can you put Tucker in center field, move Michael Brantley to right and have Alvarez in left? We'll just have to wait and see. And that is part of the fun because it is a, you know, as much as it is a preview, it is a little bit of a test run for the managers to see how they would manage these situations. I just think it's unique that, the Giants are in the position of being one of the best teams in baseball. And, you know, you get the interleague opportunity with one of the best teams in the American League to go out there and duke it out a little bit and see what they can do. Now, there are still some names go across the board that I think that uh, will be moved by the end of the day. Uh, Trevor Story, Craig Kimbrell, Chris Bryant, and I'm hearing uh, rumors about Kyle Gibson of the Rangers possibly going to Philadelphia or to the San Diego Padres. And uh, I don't know if you got any speculation on that, but those are names I'm going to be looking out for here in the next couple of maybe hours. Yeah, you know, speculation's all well and good, and we don't really know uh, what's going to happen. But I, I certainly think, um, you know, you're barking up the right tree with the teams that are selling versus teams that are buying, right? You know, I mean, we already talked about the Blue Jays, you know, getting guys and giving up guys. The Twins, you know, Barrios is one of their frontline guys. I mean, some of these teams have packed it in. Um, seeing the Rizzos of the world leave the Cubs, um, you know, things like that. You kind of know now where you stand, and I think that's where the good research can be done is to dig into the teams that you've already seen get rid of some key parts and look, you know, for them to unload some more payroll and mm -hmm. some more uh, moving pieces. But, yeah, I think uh, – I think Kimbrel's probably at the top of that list. The weird thing is the Dodgers are in the mix for the, for Kimbrel, and I mean, I just think you know how crazy I, would that be? Yeah, it's it's more crazy because of what we just talked about: resources and payroll. Do they need a closer? Absolutely. But gosh, the fact that they could pick <laughs> up Scherzer, Turner, and and Kimbrel in one trade deadline is like whoa! Like, what other team could could manage that payroll? I don't know. It's crazy. I don't know. It's going to be a lot more fun if they actually pull the trigger on that and make that happen to see how the world of San Diego just implodes because they snagged Scherzer from San Diego. Uh, you know, San, Blue Jays snagged Barrios from San Diego. You know, all of a sudden they're going to look around, they're going to turn around at the trade deadline and the Dodgers are going to come down I 5 and they're going to go, What the, who the heck are these guys, man? All of a sudden I got to prepare for Kimbrel after we beat up on Kenley Jansen earlier in the year. Yeah. And you're going, Okay, Trevor Bauer's out of there. So we have a missing part of the rotation. Wait, they filled it with Max Scherzer. You got to be kidding me. And all of a sudden you've got the two best shorts. <laughs> two of the best shortstops in all of baseball. And it, and the, the guy's not going to be Corey Seager. It's going to be Trey Turner and Fernando Tatis Jr. I mean, that's, what's amazing to me. I mean, it, it's good. I think it's good for baseball. I think it's good for West coast baseball, uh, just because so much attention is always on the uh, Yankees and the Red Sox. Now you've got the, the rivalry between the giants and Dodgers Padres going on. So it's been a lot of fun for me to watch. I'm I'm preparing two end of the year uh, like uh, monologues for our podcast. One is oh the Dodgers they just use their payroll to like thump us you know yay they're the World Series yeah. champs but they they use their payroll or see you don't need to go out and get a whole bunch of guys at the deadline you just need Longoria and Brandon Crawford to come back and have have a good chemistry in the clubhouse. So those are the two right that's those are the two sides of the coin for the monologues at the end of the year. But uh, but you know you're right it does make it exciting it certainly makes it great. To to be on this podcast talking about it and i think last year at this time we were kind of moping along about a 60 game season whether you're going to travel again and you know mm -hmm. are they going to allow fans in the stand and now we're talking about a trade deadline the rich get richer 
and and uh, there's some exciting things to happen uh, coming down the pike. So I I, I totally uh, am, am am on board with the way the baseball season's going this year, and many good things to come. Sounds good. Now we're going to get a word from our sponsor. The best way to learn a language: immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts that help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And we're back. Thanks for the word from our sponsor. We couldn't be doing this podcast without the sponsors and the support of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, which we're now on. We didn't talk about this last podcast, but a couple podcasts ago, we were talking about making a road trip. The uh, Blue Wire Podcast, mm-hmm. yeah, Blue Wire Podcast Studios are going to open up at the Wind Casino, I believe, in the middle of August, so the middle of next month. And uh, we're going to try and get on the calendar and see if we can record a podcast in the studio. I don't know what the, uh, <laughs> I certainly don't know what the uh, calendar looks like there, but Blummer and I may be on <laughs> at 3.30 a.m. Like after a few. I'm down. Uh, <clears throat> Let's do it. A few cocktails. Let's get into the studio and see what's going on. Oh, believe it. <laughs> believe it. So anyway, so that's on the horizon. So Blue Wire Podcast Studios opening up their uh, their you know their studio in the Wind Casino, and we're talking about getting a road trip on uh, on the calendar. So we'll uh, more to come. Maybe we'll have some well, we'll listeners have to. come out there and join. We, we have to. It, it's a yeah. must because October is going to be rolling around. Uh, you know, October, November, December. I mean, there's so many opportunities. We, we, you and I just got an email about fantasy football. You know, we're going to be in mid football season. We're going to need content and drinks. I mean, we're going to need content. (laughs) And so I would imagine I sent sent you a couple dates. I'm with you. I mean, we're going to make it happen. I guess that's the way to look at it, but then we'll, we'll probably share with the listeners maybe, you know, when we'll be out there, they can come out if they want. I'm smelling a boy's trip coming out, man. Let's go. Let's do this. I'm not bringing anybody but myself. I might bring Mark Ramos if he's nice to me. And Mr. Ramos, of course. Well, he's from Houston, so you got to, yeah, we'll meet out there at some point. Yeah. Hey, the the other thing that we haven't talked about um, are the Olympics, and I will say that it's the one time, I think every four years, the one time every four years, I don't know if that makes sense, that my wife is way into sports, and I appreciate that. So um, we did have the greatest athlete walking the planet, Simone Biles, who's a Houstonian, really fantastic, Yes, um, uh, pulled out. And I was just thinking that we don't have to get into the mental health stuff. We've seen some stuff with Naomi Osaka and some other folks that are, you know, this pressure that builds up. But I did watch a little preliminary to the Olympics. And the main bullet points were Simone Biles. She's the greatest, you know, all-around gymnast of all time. She's won six of these and six of those and seven of these and eight of those. 
And if she does what she's supposed to do at these Olympics, she's going to do this, 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 this. I mean, they had a page. The Olympics hadn't even started, and they were talking about these world records and these accomplishments. And I will say that you know, iron sharpens iron, and the fact that uh, Uni Lee won the gold just shows that training with Simone yeah. Biles, even just that through osmosis and actually that's pushing the, yourself. That's the Jordan effect that we learned about in the last dance. It's a great that, call, Tuttle. That's right. So, and, and, and then back to my wife, you know, I, I was really impressed to watch, you know, Simone Biles stand up and say, look, I'm, you know, I, this isn't something for me. Uh, hopefully she's getting support and love in Houstonium because the rest of the country is certainly giving her that support. But to watch another American step up to the plate, an 18-year-old, nonetheless, and win the gold, um, just, again, makes you beam with pride. And uh, and then the other moment I was going to talk about, we've been watching a lot of swimming because that's mostly on at night. And I don't know if you've had a chance to tune in at all, Blummer. But I think being former athletes, um, still in my mind thinking of myself as an athlete, you just know the preparation and dedication. I listened to this podcast recently. Oh, man, I just yeah. talked about the moment that the champagne pops and you pour it on somebody's head. That's such. That's 30 seconds. And you just see all the joy and you know the feelings and all that, but it's all those years. It's the years that make it so emotional. Mm-hmm. But um, watching Caleb Dressel, who's kind of supposedly the next Michael Phelps, win by setting an Olymp- Olympic record, winning his first individual gold. I think he had three in relays, and they got his wife live and his family live, and they're like, "So tell us." He couldn't say a word. It was just tears. He's streaming tears, his wife streaming tears, and he talked about how hard COVID was for everybody, and just that was it. I mean, I just you can't you can't replicate this stuff. It's what I love about sports, and I just thought it would be appropriate to touch on the Olympics a little bit, even though the Bleacher Blums podcast is uh, you know highly leveraged in the baseball world. Um, have you been watching any of the Olympics? What do your daughters think about it? Volleyball's on. They must be watching something. Oh yeah. I'm curious to know what's going on in the Blum House regarding the Olympics. No, I think the, that's what's great about the Olympics is I think that every four years it allows maybe the non-sports fan to become a sports fan, sports fan because of that that pride and that you know th- those are my boys, those are my girls. You know they're going out there representing the country and putting on a good show, and everybody wants to be the best at everything. Uh, the, the, you know, there's a lot going on there. I haven't had a chance to watch as much of the swimming as I have some of the other stuff because. You know, if I do have the option, I will watch women's volleyball. Uh, you know, I've watched some of the surfing event that they had going on. I've watched some of the golf. I've watched, uh, of course, I watched table tennis just because I'm in awe of what they're able to do <laughs> on that <amazing>. thing. <laughs> it's amazing. But you're right. Some of these stories are so incredible. And, you know, I'll start with Simone Biles and I'll, I'll jump on the bandwagon and say, I appreciate it. And mental health, you know, that's something that is kind of taboo, especially during the time that uh, Tuttle and I were coming up as professional athletes. It was really something you didn't admit to. It's not something you said, hey, I'm having issues upstairs. We always had the coaches that were like, suck it up, fight through it, battle. Don't give me that. Don't be weak. You know, it was always seen as weak. And I think now that we're starting to realize that, you know, the pressures that are involved with playing a professional sport or going out and representing your country or being t- told that you are the goat and and trying to live up to those expectations it does wear on these athletes and i think it's okay to talk about and i do appreciate the fact that she was able to talk about it and i think in this last couple of years everything has been exaggerated and i both on and off the field or on and off the mat on and off the court everything has been exaggerated and i think to the point where you know, that extra year of training and that extra year of thinking about it in your head 
could affect you in the Olympics right now. I understand that. I get that. I respect that. I'm, I, you know, part of me is disappointed, but it's selfishly because I think like every other fan out there, we wanted to watch Simone Biles go out there and do things that literally nobody else can do in the gymnastic world. But what it has done is it's opened up the conversation to mental health issues. It's opened up the, the fact that I had no idea what the twisties were. Now I understand what that is, and it frightens the living hell out of me because I've never been off this off the earth under my own strength and worried about coming down. I can't imagine being 15, 20 feet off the ground, spinning in you know 15 different ways and trying to land a uh, try and land a trick. And that's what Simone Biles is doing. So that's just an, another added level of danger involved. Uh, it's one thing if your head's not into it to actually have no idea where you're coming down at is dangerous and lethal in that sport. But it also opened the door for guess what? Like you said, Suni Lee goes out there, wins the gold medal, and proves that the, the Americans are a dominant force and that having the impact of a great athlete next to you makes you a better athlete. And then you get to uh, Dressel and what he's done on the uh, on, in the water. I think that uh, you know those true emotions do come out because it, the Olympics are different, different because you're preparing for four years to for one moment. And to have that culminate in success is why the emotions flow. And I can only relate it to a personal experience I had on the baseball field, and everybody knows about 2005. And I constantly, ha I do interviews to this day talking about it, and I tell people, when I made contact with that baseball, it was as if the baseball gods put everything that my mom and dad did, everything my wife did, everything that I did, and just put it in that contact point and shot it out to right field. And I had the ultimate success. So I do kind of understand where these guys are coming from, but I love that the emotion is so raw. You know, you don't have the family members there to be able to go out and party. So I think seeing them in a video and uh, the anticipation of sharing that with them when they get back to the States is, is exaggerated. So I, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun to see. I'm, I'm, I feel terrible that I missed that, but there are going to be plenty more opportunities for other athletes across the world to have those moments with family and friends. Yeah. You know, Blummer, you, you hit it on the head and I'm, I don't think I've heard, I've heard you interviewed before regarding the home run and, you know, thanking your family and all, but, and, and that's, that's what this is all about. I mean, you wanted to do this not for everybody, but for yourself, but the sacrifices that uh, family members make and the respect that they show you to let you pursue this craft that you, uh, you know, you were chosen to, to be good at and also worked your ass off to do is, uh, it, it, like you said, I think the every four years thing adds to it. But man, I mean, just that's a perfect way to, uh, to articulate it, which is that everything was kind of in that one moment. And it is, it can be it can be overwhelming, but there are many more to come for all these Olympic athletes and obviously for the uh, end of the baseball season. I did want to touch, you know, table tennis. The reason we're both watching that is like every clubhouse I was ever in had a ping pong table. We can't even call it ping yeah, pong. Yeah, dude. That's why it I watch looks, it. <laughs> right. But but I'm saying like you're, you're the guy that was the best in your clubhouse, it, it's a different sport watching them play. I'm like, did, was that a yeah. Like, I can't even, I'm like, this isn't what we used to do. We used to get back there it's and like rail swing the and ball a miss around. and the ball's like by you. You're like, what yeah, the but heck just I'm happened? Like, what happened? Like this, it's a, <laughs> I, what we played in a clubhouse is ping pong. What they're playing is table tennis and it's a completely different sport. <laughs> and it's amazing. That's I mean, hilarious. It is. That. It is hilarious. I mean, what's that? Was that a point? I didn't even see the ball. It's almost like the old, like, 
the people do the fake jump rope. You don't even have, you just have the handles. Like, yeah. you can't, what happened? What just happened? It's so, moving so fast. Yeah, I didn't get it. Anyway, so yes, it's, uh, I'm glad we got to touch on that. I mean, this is, as we said, kind of a sports podcast, uh, a family podcast, uh, an everything podcast uh, with two guys that enjoy each other's company. And uh, I wanted to kind of say this on air, but, you know, before the podcast, we we're kind of talking about what we're going to do and we didn't really have an outline today. Blummer, we just crushed it again. I'm really happy. Uh, somehow the podcast brings <laughs> out the best in what, uh, in, you know, in kind of the banter and the things that, that come top of mind. So uh, I think we, uh, no, that's, that's, uh, we exceeded my expectations for the day. So. No, but that's the beauty of it, though. I mean, we could wake up in bad moods. We could have a rough start to the morning, and all of a sudden, you know, the 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 green room, quote unquote, that we we hang out in and talk about. I'm sure Mark, you know, who's who's on this podcast with us, is probably sitting there going, "Dear God, I'm going to have to edit this junk because yeah. <laughs> what we talked about before had it had no relation to what actually just happened." So, right. you know, that's kind of the purity of it. But that's also what I think the Bleacher Blums podcast is trying to bring to you is a little more of that, that personal side and that emotional side, because you get so many knee jerk reactions out there, or you get the overanalyzed reactions out there. You're just going to get two dudes who, who absolutely God's honest truth grinded it out. And now we have kids who we're trying to, you know, grind it out, <laughs> grind it out and deploy, you know, our, our thoughts and, uh, hopes on them in getting through some of these things. But, uh, you know, it's funny now, how about when you watch some of these games, when you watch the Olympics or you watch, uh, you know, we're old enough now to where some of these, some of these athletes could be our kids, but do you watch, I, I do this all the time. And I really did it with the Astros when they won the world series. I felt like a proud dad. I felt like a proud papa when they went, you know, that, and when I watch things like you're talking about Dressel or Simone Biles go through what she goes through, do you, do you find yourself in those moments after they're done accomplishing whatever they did that you kind of feel like that proud dad or you watch it with that, that fatherly mindset? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. That's a great question. I, I think, you know, as you, you know, this too, um, and your daughter had some, um, outstanding success last year, um, in volleyball, but it's almost, it's harder to watch people do yes what they're doing even though it's not something like watching a guy swim i'm not a swimmer but watching him do it as like from afar instead of actually like being in the water swimming it or coaching him is way harder and then having your offspring mm -hmm. in that scenario adds another layer to it because now you know it's not how it's going to reflect on you but it's like did i say the right things am i being supportive enough and you know, are they going to be good at this? Like, I, I still don't know if they're going to be good at this. It's a team sport. Like, how do you stand out? Or are you just one of the crew? And and then what kind of advice do you give after they get a crushing defeat or a, a, a fantastic win? So there's no doubt. There's no doubt we look at the world in a different way now as fathers. Um, and, and I think from a sports perspective, I think I'll find myself getting emotional. I listened to a podcast yesterday where they're talking about like masculine and feminine and what's important. It's like, dude, I cry all the time and I cry more often oh my gosh, um, for happy things yeah me too but for happy things you know like yeah. uh, like you just get this pure joy and you know you'll shed a tear because it is it's amazing you know to know what they put in and i think you articulate it really well when you know that ball went flying out of the stadium it was your parents and your wife and your kids and yourself and your family your brother like all these people that did everything they could to uh to kind of help you get to where you got and, you know, and there's still no guarantee that anything great's going to happen, but I definitely watch it with a different eye. And usually that eye has a tear in it. 
<laughs> yep. No, it's it's a truth, and I mean that, that that's another reality that uh, kind of sets in when you are proud. You, you know, even if you didn't have anything to do with it, seeing the success in that other athlete or in your child, I mean, it does bring a little bit of a tear to your eye. And I'm glad that we have had more tears of joy than tears of pain. But uh, you know, those those are the moments we shoot for as fathers and as ex athletes. We we cheer for those because we know how much hard work has gone into those. And uh, being able to do this podcast isn't a lot of hard work. It's a lot of fun, and we're grateful for that because of all of the military uh, across the world who are protecting our borders, protecting our way of life, and giving us the opportunity to have these words be able to be spoken freely. Uh, Also, all the first responders, EMTs, doctors, nurses, frontliners, policemen, police women who go out there and and charge in the way of harm to uh, make sure that we're safe here at home. We greatly appreciate you, and of course, all of the essential workers who are continuing to grind to get through this pandemic. We greatly appreciate you. Tuttle, take us home. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening to Bleacher Blum's podcast. I couldn't uh, say it any better than you just did, Blummer. Uh, Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at RealDavidTuttle, at Blummer27, Bleacher Blum's all over the uh, social networks. And uh, we encourage you folks uh, to get after it and believe it. Believe it. Sure.